ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spooky SLV Podcast, and I am Brad Hicks, your host. Welcome to episode five. Okay, folks, we're going to start out tonight with a uh, an anonymous submission. Um, I've read the story, it's good, and I've actually heard stories like this from around the area again. Um, so, let's get on with it. I was 17 years old at the time and living with my grandparents in a small rural town called Capuli. My father had come to watch me graduate. After an honors dinner at the high school, I asked my dad if I could drive home with my boyfriend. He agreed and Jimmy and I jumped into his old truck and headed home. We decided to take our time getting there and we were driving on back roads just talking and having a good time. Suddenly the truck stopped. Not like the usual stall where the engine slowly sputters out, but a dead stop. The truck was dark as the interior lights and the headlights had also turned off. It is hard to explain what happened next, but I will try. Neither Jimmy nor I could speak or move. There was something powerful like an electric charge running through our bodies. On top of that, there was this feeling of absolute dread. I remember closing my eyes tightly, afraid of what I might see. It felt like the devil himself had his face pressed against the window. It is hard to say how long that's lasted. More than likely it was minutes, but it truly felt like an eternity. Then as suddenly as it started, it went away. The truck started up and the headlights lit up the road before us. Jimmy and I were so shaken that at first we could not talk. Then we both said at the same time, what the hell was that? We quickly drove to my grandparents, it must have been around 10 o'clock, and my dad had already gone to bed. I ran in his room and woke him up and proceeded to tell him what had happened. At some point he stopped me and what he said chilled me to the bone. He said, did this happen to you by your grandma Valdez's old house next to the big cottonwood tree? My eyes grew to the size of plates as I asked him how he knew that. He answered that the same thing happened to him and my mom when they were dating. Yeah, that's a good story. I like that one. And I've actually heard other stories similar to that from Capulene. So, thank you for the submission. Okay, the second story tonight is from our friend Sandy Martinez. She's... She submitted a few stories. <laughs> In fact, it's like every episode for the past three episodes, I've read one of her stories, even two of her stories. This time, we'll just go with one. We lived in a house when my kids were little that was haunted. It was the 1990s. We had a male spirit there. I only saw him a few times during the years. We were there, and it was always through my peripheral vision. It never failed that I would think it was my husband and then realize my husband wasn't home. I was in an abusive marriage and whenever my husband at the time would get angry with me, the energy in the room would change. It would become very heavy, almost tangible. I couldn't help but believe that this spirit did not like what was going on. Over the years, the spirit got pretty comfortable with me. It would get up and go to the, I would get up and go to bed after watching television and walk over to the TV and turn it off. Yes, it was was before remote controls. As soon as I would turn around and start walking across the living room headed back to bed, the TV would turn back on. I would turn around and go back and turn it off, and then again it would turn back on. 
after two to three times of this happening. This happened many times throughout the years of living here. I would finally say, okay, if you want to watch TV, go ahead. Be sure to turn it off when you're done. Yes, the next morning the TV would be off. When we went through our divorce, we sold the house. The new owners remodeled not only the house, but the grounds as well. One day I was visiting a close friend of mine and she told me, let's walk over and look at the house. They're remodeling and they'll let us see it. She lived just across the street from our old house, so we walked across and they said we could walk through it. She, we made it just inside the door and everything started spinning. I almost fell down and I was reaching out for a wall or something to stop myself from falling down. I ended up on my knees on the floor and literally had to crawl out of the house. The anger and heaviness in that house when I entered was so strong. He was furious. Furious that the changes being done to the house. Furious that we'd moved. Both. I don't know, but let me tell you, I never wanted to go back after that. Thanks again, Sandy. Great story. trip and go to Pueblo Springs, whatever, and on the way back we'd normally take the long way back scenic way back, even though it was pitch black, most times before we even left the city they were in anyway, we would do that and we would have some fun just telling ghost stories on the way back, and this is actually one of those stories that we kind of came up with his idea, my idea, and then I wrote out the story, here we go the dinner guest. It was a long drive on the lonely Colorado Pass. Carlos had just left from a day trip off in the city. He had taken the day off and gone up to the city for the hell of it. His day had consisted of a trip to the mall, to a few ratty pawn shops, and a trip to see a few close friends. Upon leaving his friends, he said his goodbyes and heading home in the opposite direction of which he came. For the scenic route, of course. It was around 7.30 and in the evening, and he just started through the pass. The sun was settling into its nice, cozy home behind the mountains. Getting bored, Carlos decided that it was time for some music. He turned on his radio and popped in a tape of No Doubt. and began to liven up a little. I love this song, he said, as he cranked up the volume. The song played and led into another and another. Music helped to pass the time and keep him occupied. Pretty soon he realized that it was getting dark. In reality, it was still fairly light out. In lowland settings, it was still light enough to see the road very clearly. But the mountains made it much darker. They tend to close in on you. His scenic route would soon be too dark to see. With a flick of a finger, his lights came on and he kept on going. The further he went, the harder it was to make his little Nissan truck maneuver the ever-tightening curbs. Man, this road is definitely harder to drive on at night. He slowed his truck to maintain control over it. He reached over and turned his radio down a little and started humming to the music. He was just getting back to having fun when he saw that it was starting to rain. Oh, great, just what I needed. 
Now with his lights on, his windshield wipers were going strong. Man, it's coming down hard, and I really need to get home to bed. He kept on muttering to himself as he slowed from 45 to 35 and trudged on. Not but a few seconds later, Carlos was rounding a curve, a very tight curve at that, and suddenly had to come to a screeching, and albeit slightly dangerous, stop. There was a small boy standing a little too close to the side of the road. At the time Carlos had seen the boy, he was heading into the darkest section of the pass. The rain made it even darker. As black as pitch, to be more specific. Everything in the headlights seemed to come out of nowhere, and the boy almost seemed like a dream. But he was there. Oh, shit! Carlos turned the wheel sharply and veered into the other lane. Almost overcorrecting his actions, he went, skidding back into his lane and onto the soft shoulder on the right-hand side. He almost tipped when he hit the soft, thick mud. After taking a few moments to regain his composure, Carlos jumped out of the truck to see if the boy was all right. On a dead sprint for the boy, he could see where the boy had been standing. There was nothing there. Oh, God, I hope I didn't hit the kid. Just then he heard the bushes beyond the guardrail rustle. The boy wandered out onto the road and was beginning to cross when a set of headlights rounded the curve and headed straight for him. He froze in his tracks and watched the lights like a deer would in the same situation. He then jumped as the truck came within inches of running him down. The boy jumped back, stayed on his feet for a second, and then lost his balance and tumbled over the guardrail near the edge of the road. Kit, Kit, are you there? Are you alright? No answer. Oh man, Kit, if you're there, please answer me. From the bushes, the boy appeared. He was covered with mud from head to toe. I'm okay. Carlos sighed with relief. Oh, thank God. Here, let me help you up. The boy looked hesitantly at Carlos. Carlos's outstretched hand. He then raised his own slowly and grabbed the young man's. When Carlos helped the boy up onto the road, he noticed the boy had a nasty gash on his arm. That looks like it hurts. Are you sure you're all right? Yes, I'm fine. Just the same, let me wrap that. Carlos tore a sleeve off of his own shirt and wrapped it around the boy's arm. He then tore off his other sleeve and began to wipe the mud from the boy's face. The boy watched him carefully. There, now you look human again. He said this with a smile, trying to ease the boy's tension. Now let's see if you have any other scratch or bumps. As Carlos looked on, he noticed the boy was shivering from the cold and rain. I want my mommy. Carlos just looked at the child for a moment. Your mommy? Is she around here? The boy nodded and began to shiver again. Hold on, kid. I have a coat in my truck. I'll be right back. The boy's face twisted into a look of terror. No, don't leave me alone. I'm scared of the dark. Carlos turned to the boy and told him to follow him to the truck. After slipping and sliding most of the way up the shoulder, they finally made it to the truck. Carlos threw open the door. The interior light came on and Carlos could see the boy clearly. He was probably six or seven years old, pale skin, and unusually dark eyes. That's what really noticed. That's what Carlos really noticed. He wasn't really worried a great deal about the kid's appearance as much as he was trying to figure out what the boy was doing in the middle of the road. 
Also, why was this kid out in the middle of nowhere with no one to watch him or keep him out of trouble? Kid, what are you doing out here by yourself? Where's your family? No answer. Again, kid, where's your mom? Mommy? Carlos smiled. Yeah, mommy. Where is she? The boy didn't say anything. He only pointed slowly out into the woods near where Carlos had found him. She's out there in the woods? Carlos frowned. Is she hurt or something? Carlos looked out into the woods. No, she's just waiting for dinner. He didn't say anything else. Carlos didn't see a road or even a decent trail leading into a house. Carlos looked back at the boy. He was sitting in the truck looking calmly out into the woods. Carlos thought for a moment and then said, Well, okay, we're going out there to take you home. The boy's face lit up. Really? You're going to take me home? Carlos smiled and shook his head. Yes. Now, just show me the road to your house. Again, the boy frowned. There's no road. We'll have to walk. Now Carlos frowned. Well, is there a trail or path of some sort that leads to your house? The kid smiled the biggest smile Carlos thought he'd ever seen and shook his head with delight and pleasure. Carlos didn't register it at the time, but the smile on the boy's face was just a little too big. The two rain-soaked wanderers set off in the direction that the boy had pointed out. Carlos had a nagging feeling that this was going to be a long, long night. He just wanted to get home, but no, he was out here helping some little kid whose name he didn't even know. He stopped suddenly. Hey, kid, what's your name anyway? boy looked back at Carlos with a look like he'd been caught in the middle of doing something wrong. My name is, um, Timothy. Carlos didn't quite understand why the kid seemed to hesitate a little, but he dismissed it as him being nervous. So, Timothy, are you up here on vacation? Timothy looked back at him for a second and said, No, we live here. Really? You live up here with no road or a clear path? The boy turned to him, this time clearly agitated. Yes. This surprised Carlos. Sorry, I'm just trying to break the tension. The boy said nothing. The two walked, or hiked rather, for a while. The rain and the path were starting to disappear. They were walking through some of the thickest brush Carlos had ever seen. He kept on stumbling over rocks, sticks, and at one point maybe even something alive. He looked up at Timothy and asked, Timothy, are you sure we're going in the right direction? I mean, it is dark after all, and I'm sure we're both a little scared. Yes, it's right up here beyond the ridge. Carlos was starting to wonder how this kid got lost when he knew his way through the woods so well. Timothy, tell me, how did you end up getting lost? You seem to know your way even in the dark. Timothy kept going, hopping over rocks and brush just like an animal. I wasn't lost, I was just... He stopped suddenly. Just what? What is it? Timothy turned with a smile. Again, a smile too wide to be natural. Only this time he noticed right away. Carlos was a little shook. He told himself that it was a darkness, he was seeing things because it was dark, and he was having some trouble with this. Yeah, it had to be. He kept going after the boy. 
Wait, Tim, what is it? Are we near your house? Yes, he said this with distinct enthusiasm. Carlos sighed in relief. He kept on telling himself just a little farther, just a little. When Carlos finally caught up with the boy who was moving faster than the average child his age, especially through thick brush, he asked him where his house was. Timothy looked at him with the same annoyance he had when he asked his name. It's right there, you idiot. Carlos was clearly getting angry. Look, kid, I didn't stop to help you just to be made a fool. If you want to go running around the forest, be my guest, because I'm going home. He started in the back in the direction, he thought, of the truck. He walked for about five seconds or so when he heard the boy call out. Again, Carlos stopped. He heard, Mister, please help me. Carlos started into the woods again, only this time it was at a run. Timothy, Timothy, where are you? He could almost hear another scream in the distance. Tim! Carlos couldn't resist the call to help the boy. It was in his nature. Carlos ran and ran and ran. It seemed like he ran for hours without stopping. Carlos was breathing hard from lack of exercise. He finally stumbled and fell into a clearing. In the bright moonlight, since the rain had stopped, he saw the boy. He was just standing in the clearing without a look of worry or fright on his face. Carlos stared at him for a moment. He slowly got up and headed towards the boy. He was watching the surrounding brush and trees for any sign of movement. When he reached down, Timothy, when he reached Timothy, he dropped to his knees. Tim, are you all right? Timothy just smiled at him. Carlos didn't like his smile anymore. Not at all. Yeah, I'm fine. I found my mother. Carlos looked puzzled. If you found your mother, why in the hell did you scream like that? Oh, uh, I was just scared. I didn't want you to leave me out here by myself. Carlos was very angry now. Damn it, you found your mom. You don't have anything to worry about yet. You still want me to help you when you don't need it. The boy smiled a wickedly white smile. This made Carlos's blood run cold. He stepped back from him. He was scared now. Look, um, I'm gonna leave now, okay? You found your mom and I need to get home. Timothy just smiled his wicked smile. Where is your mom anyway? She's right behind you. Carlos whirled on his heels or with his eyes wide. There was no one there. Now Carlos was furious. All right, kid, I'm not here to play your little games. I'm almost tempted to leave you here for the animals. Timothy's smile faltered. Then suddenly the ground beneath Carlos gave way. Carlos let out a shriek. He was starting to sink, and at the same time, what you might call hands started to pull him under. He looked down in terror just in time to see the long fingers, huge claws, and a monstrous head emerge from the ground below him. Carlos screamed in absolute terror. The creature was huge from what he could see. It had large teeth, as long as a big man's finger. Carlos couldn't move. He was absolutely frozen with fear. He suddenly snapped out of it. He screamed to the boy, Tim, Tim, run, run. The boy looked at him questioningly. Carlos was starting to go down further. He struggled to get free, thinking of the boy. Once again, he looked up at Timothy and even noticed this. Even during this, he noticed a change in the features of Tim. His eyes had seemed to bulge slightly from their sockets, and he seemed bigger than before. 
Carlos was watching Timothy and reaching out for him in a last and final effort of hope. The boy just giggled. The creature took its attention off Carlos and turned it to the boy. It reached for him. Carlos screamed, No! Tim, run! Damn it, run! Timothy looked at Carlos with a smile. Why? That's my mommy. As he watched, Timothy's face started to change. His head grew a little larger. His eyes grew to a point that it seemed they were going to burst. His jaws grew bigger to accommodate teeth that were growing fast enough to make the surrounding bone crackle as they forced downward out of his skull. Carlos couldn't even scream now. The creature that was pulling him into the ground spoke in a voice that was assuredly not human. It was low and guttural, like an animal's growl. That's Mama's little boy. He brought home dinner, just like I asked him to. The boy creature smiled at his mother, and the two of them laughed as Carlos was dragged under the ground, screaming. The state trooper was taking down the license plate when a small boy came to the window. He was about six or seven, pale skin, unusually large eyes and smile. Hi, could you help me find my mommy? He said this with a grin as the trooper walked with him to and over the guardrail and into the woods, leaving the Nissan that was sitting on the side of the road behind. That was The Dinner Guest, written by me. It was a story idea developed, like I said, between me and my friend Jimmy Galvis, who passed away years ago. And any of you who listen and know Jimmy, you know he liked that story. (laughs) Um, I think that's going to do it for the podcast tonight, folks. I appreciate you listening. Thanks. Okay, guys, I'm going to come back at you again with the support button on my Spotify app. There is a place where you can actually support the podcast if you like. It can be a monthly gift if you like, or a one-time only, I do believe. Um, it starts out at $0.99, cents, then goes to $4.99, and then $9.99. So it's not terribly expensive, but any support you can give me is welcome anyway. Even if you just subscribe and share the podcast, that's enough. It really is. You don't have to support. I'm doing this for fun, but it would be nice to be able to get some better equipment. Recently bought a podcast setup and it doesn't work. The microphones work fine, but the sound card doesn't. So, yeah, I may have bought too cheap. But anyway, um, again, the support buttons there on my spot, uh, Spotify profile for the Spooky SLB podcast. You'll see it if you actually uh, read the intro and stuff for the spot uh, podcast but um a, the best support you can give me is literally just to subscribe and share tell people about it or have them do submissions because i really enjoy this and it's it's starting to get a lot of lot of fun for me and i really don't want to have to pull stories off of reddit to make things spooky come on i know there's plenty of stuff that happens in the slv so if you want to submit as well go to spooky slv podcast at gmail.com and write down your story and also let me know if you want to remain anonymous or if you want author credit be happy to do either one thanks